Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast, where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard, and man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcast episodes. My name is Mitch Schultz. I am your host for these podcasts. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry, which provides encouragement, support, and counseling to those who are in ministry. And I don't do this often, but I would encourage you to uh, refer me to your leadership, uh, your pastor, any international workers that you know. Uh, That's what we're here for, is to help people who are experiencing the hard stuff in ministry. Well, today I'm going to be interviewing a church planting couple, and this came out of me reading an article by uh, Brian Halferty uh, about the challenges to marriage, particularly in church planting. And I'm I'm calling this podcast the Church Planters Marriage. And uh, they have a great story, a great testimony, a very honest, uh, raw story of how uh, the pressures of, of performing, of succeeding, uh, almost became too much for them, and I just loved sitting down and talking to both of them and hearing their hearts and uh, how priorities were reset, and I think you'll be encouraged uh, by this as well. Brian and Candace live with their family, two children, a boy and girl, I believe, in Tacoma, Tacoma Washington. Uh, he is the pastor of the Anchor Church there in Tomo- uh, Tacoma. Uh, Brian regularly breaks his body skateboarding, works closely with church planters, and serves, as I said, the lead pastor at Anchor Church, which is a Christian Missionary Alliance church. Uh, Candace is a photographer and is completing her studies in counseling and spiritual direction. So I will go ahead and hand it over. Okay, well, I have some new friends that I'm interviewing today, uh, Brian and Candace, and last name is pronounced Halferty. It's Halferty, so you you let me know right away. So uh, good to have you guys on this. You're in uh, Tacoma, Washington, uh, almost literally opposite uh, reach from where we are here in Tacoma, Georgia. Yeah. Um, But uh, thank you for being on this podcast, guys. Yeah, Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, good to be uh, be here. Awesome. So we're uh, going to be talking specifically about marriage and and church planting and uh, this is in response to an article that I saw that you wrote Brian and uh, but before that just tell us a little bit about yourselves where you're from a little bit about your journey and uh, I always like to ask what drives you what are you most passionate about sure I'll go ahead and go first Uh, I grew up in the Seattle area so I'm kind of a a Washington kid um, from early on and um, went to to school in central Washington that's where Candace and I met Um, and we've uh, we've lived in you know different places around the country, um, Washington, Vancouver, BC, but we found our way back to Washington. And like you mentioned, we're in Tacoma right now. Um, yeah. So we've been married for 19 years and uh, two kiddos. Our youngest is Soren, who's 10, and our oldest, Zoe, is 13. So mm-hmm. Soren is in the throes of youth soccer and Zoe is a cross-country runner and nice. amateur baker. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. So, so you said you bounced around several places. Candace, you guys live in the U.S. or uh, just Washington and British Columbia, you said? Yeah. And we lived on on the East Coast for a year. Oh, you did? Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. What uh, what drives you? Yeah. Um, I really love just sitting down with people and, and hearing what they're passionate about and how I can encourage them mm. and, and, and kind of fan their flame. That's something mm. like I really, really enjoy to do. Yeah. And yeah, and I'm currently going back to school for to get 
get a master's degree in counseling and psychology. And I feel like that kind of goes hand in hand. Yeah. So that's yeah. Where, where are you taking that from? Uh, Crown College. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. Great. What about you, Brian? What what drives you? Yeah, so I think the kind of a North Star, um, you know, I, I, I felt as much as you can feel God call me to tr- uh, teach and build up. Those are kind of the words that kind of mm. like God back mm-hmm. like 2005 or 2006. And that's kind of like been a repeated North Star, like uh, so that a sense of calling. Um, and um, it's helpful kind of to recenter occasionally in pastoral ministry. Like, all right, what am I here for? What's what's the thing that God has called me to do? Um, and so that's a helpful North Star recentering thing. Um, passionate about, I love writing. I mean, that's that's part of the reason why we're talking right now. Um, yeah. um, so that's that's a thing that I do that's life-giving for me. Um, I also skateboard. I'm, <laughs> I'm a middle-aged skateboarder with lots of bruises on my body to prove it. So um, yeah, I have a half pipe in our garage and I spend, um, I spend a lot of free time there as well. About seven months ago, I was trying to show off to my granddaughter on a hoverboard. <laughs> and I I tried to get off, but the sensors were telling the hoverboard to keep going. Oh no! And I, I got thrown backwards, fractured my elbow. Oh. And no. my my granddaughter ran to uh, the play cupboard and grabbed this uh, set of toy equipment. She came over and, <laughs> and oh, I, uh, have some age where you stop doing this stuff. But uh, yeah, well, let's say you you are you wrote an article in the Alliance Life, which is our yeah. denominational magazine called The Lion in the Pit. A great article. I was really drawn to. It. I wrote I read it a couple times. And uh, man, I'm going to take a stab in the dark here and reach out to uh, to you guys. Um, so give, give us an idea of why you wrote this. What was it mainly yeah. about? Yeah, so um, it's actually like chapter eight of like a book project I'm working on, on church planning. It's kind of this book project mm-hmm. that uh, is kind of like memoir forward, fairly, fairly candid for church planners and like other starters, other people that go out kind of um, into new territory with a dream. And uh, this, this chapter, you know, um, kind of came out of our own experience. Obviously, the whole chapter centers around our experience. Um, but it also kind of felt like there's a felt need out there to kind of speak to. I mean, I have a business professor friend who who mentioned to me a while back that he had seen data on why things fail, like why why new ventures, whether it's a church plant or some type of other entrepreneurial venture fails early on. And he mentioned it was like, it wasn't because of a lack of funding or a lack of competency. Those things can play into it for sure. But he said, usually there's a relational breakdown um, in the wow. leader yeah. um, that causes the thing to stop, um, and that's always stayed with me. And I, and honestly, we we found ourselves getting close to that in those first eight, in those mm-hmm. eighteen months. So um, so I think you spin all those things together. You know, a desire to like, interest in writing, and felt need in our story, and it just kind of emerged out of that space. Um, yeah. So I guess that's that's kind of the more we could say on that, but that's kind of what comes to mind. Yeah. Well, your article your article dealt uh, really specifically. On, on that relationship, the tension yeah. relationship. And and I agree with you. And that's something I don't know if we anticipate well when we send, you know, pastors, church planters, missionaries that, that probably their greatest hardship is not going to be cultural adjustments or uh, lack of productivity. It's going to be tensions in, in relationships. And so I, I think it's great that you're you're covering this. We need to, we need to be talking about it and, and having the tools uh, to protect ourselves as we as we go in ministry. And I, I think we know too that the devil, if he He's going to attack. He's going to cl- attack close to home, yeah. and um, and so you you covered that as well, uh, Candace. You you know you obviously had your perspective uh, on what was going on, and we'll we'll talk about why you came up with that title, "The Light in the Pit." But I'm just curious, Candace, if you you are know, looking at the same issues or, or situation from your perspective. 
what what title would you have given to your your lives in that season? Yeah, I I love that question. I don't think I have like a great answer. I think it would just be lonely. Like yeah, mm. it's a really lonely time. I don't have any mm. like great title other than that. Yeah, no, that's heavy. I mean, that's that says a lot. Well, I'd like to know how the Lord met you in in all of that and in in the the way you wrote this out, Brian. Um, Candace, early on, and I, I was really struck with this. You you said, I think we can plant a church uh, and stay married and to be relatively healthy. I'm curious why you said that. What was what was going on? Was there some fear? Or was this just a, a confidence statement, not really thinking through too much what right. was behind it? Uh, I think I at least knew myself well enough to know we were entering into a really unstable time. And I know like I really thrive in stability and knowing what's next. Mm-hmm. And I, I needed just, I guess, that assurance from Brian that we were going to have some set things on our calendar that we could count on like as a family. Mm. And, and I also wanted to protect him too, I think even going into it and knowing like if he he would work all day, every day if he could, he loves it. Um, and I knew that if it, we didn't have mm-hmm. that set, like he could work too much and get burnt out quicker mm. than expected. Yeah. Brian, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I yeah, I think Candace and I, you know, are, are really different. You know, I'm, I think in the, in somewhere in there, I say like, I'm the, I'm the coal miner thinking there has to be gold here somewhere. If I just keep working, I'll eventually find it. And she's the canary saying, mm-hmm. you know, if you keep staying here, you're going to die. You know? So that like dynamic has played into our marriage really, really yeah. inception, you know, and interestingly enough, right. For many couples, this is kind of the idea of like the intrigue early on before you get married is like, oh, this person's so different than me. You know, I'm so interested in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then eventually that becomes something that is a gift slash liability if you don't deal with it. Um, and so Candace that saying that she's totally right. Just what she said. I mean, in some ways I don't have anything else to add. She's anticipating the challenges before they happened and saying, if we have this measure of stability, then we can do this. Otherwise <laughs> it's uncertain. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, she was anticipating it yeah. from, the, from the get. Oh, I was just going to add to that and just say practically, I gave him um, just three things. Yeah. Uh, like let's have date night every Thursday. Let's yeah. have family night every Friday mm-hmm. and let's make sure we get a Sabbath then, even though if that's going to change as our kids ages change. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's just the more practical aspect of, of that. It's good. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, facing difficulties early on in ministry is, is in, in some weird way, a blessing, you know, yeah. I, I, one friend that, refers to things like that as an unwelcome privilege yeah. uh, that the the Lord trusts us enough. I, it's interesting. I, I pastored uh, four or five churches in my 30 some years and my last church was my hard church. Mm. And I always wonder if that had happened earlier on, but, but, you know, the Lord Jesus knows me and yeah. we had a lot of, lot of other trials in our family, you know, a son that died of cancer. My wife survived cancer, another son with cancer. Right. And uh, I, I think he, he knows, how much to to devi out to proportion the stuff uh, you you know certainly the the quality or the qualifications to really identify this in, in other young couples how, how much do you interact with other young couple church planning couples and what can say having gone through what you've gone through what what concerns you we do a lot I mean I think we so we planted in 2018 we launched it in 2018 we planted um, two other churches and and helped to plant a couple other ones since then um so we have a a fair amount of regular interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, we've 
we've we've seen people get kind of bit, you know, um, in specifically in their marriage. I mean, I have um, we just within those five years in church planning situations. Candace, you meet with a couple church planner wives. Yeah, I'm currently meeting with um, two other uh, women just because that's the support I wish I had and I didn't have, and I want them mm. to have. Um, and just to have a commonality, we're doing this together. What's well, you know, what's surprising you this week? What's frustrating you this week? How yeah. can we be praying for each other and and texting and asking mm. how was Sunday? You know, um, you know those moments of when as pastors' wives we can feel really alone because we're if we still have kids at home, we're getting them ready, we're getting them out the door by ourselves every Sunday, yeah. and then coming to church and showing up and also taking part in that, and so it can feel very lonely. And so I just wanted to create a space where we can be in it together rather than alone. I think it's so important. Yeah, yeah that, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm, it's wonderful that you're having that opportunity to talk to other young couples. That's that's so needed. Uh, Brian, you mentioned that um, all of this brought about wrong motives in your life. Uh, what yeah. were they and how were you, uh, how, did, how did you sort of uh, reset? Yeah, I think like, well, like, like a lot of, I mean, the resetting happens <laughs> all the way, you know, um, but uh, I think that, you know, like a lot of people, I'm driven, I'm ambitious. You know, I I see something, a goal, I want to drive after, I want to accomplish it. That can be such a positive thing. <laughs> it can be such a liability though. Mm-hmm. So I, I think some of the worst parts of those, like those wrong motivations, you know, showed up in like, like willing to do anything to get somebody to not just join the church plant, but like me, right? So these desire, these needs, these kind of codependent, like low-grade codependencies about wanting mm. to be liked, wanting to be affirmed, wanting to accomplish my goals, they all kind of start to kind of like blend in together um, with it when you're having a conversation with somebody. And, you know, the person's like, well, you know, my wife and I, we're looking for this kind of church. And all of a sudden, the church that you're leading becomes that type of church that that person's looking for, mm-hmm. not because it is, but because you want them, you know, and you're, you recognize the, the your financial needs, you recognize your emotional needs, you recognize your relationship yeah. needs, you recognize kind of like just you want this thing to survive. And early on, you know, I mean, all the, I, I don't know, I'm being totally candid. I think a lot of church planners like actually experience this, but they kind of, they use, they, they, I don't know, maybe they have more faith than me, but I felt that I, I wondered if it was going to survive at a couple points. And so that anxiety coupled with those kind of, those kind of desires, the ambition, the kind of low grade codependency, mm-hmm. all that stuff, it can, um, man, it starts showing up and you're, if you're unaware that it's there, it will trip you up and and hijack your yeah. church, you know, and and kind of that home base of relationships. Yeah, it brings out, uh, you know, what what's there, and which again, it's good. It's an unwelcome yeah. privilege. Uh, yeah, it's interesting that as I got older, and particularly the the last church I was at, you know, there there were times where people didn't like me or didn't like the church or the elders, and I would go home and I would say, well, at least these people like, you know, and uh, and you that that probably was part of the resetting is that the relationships that matter the most. I mean, people are in and out of our lives when we're, we're church planters or pastors, yeah. and uh, but your home is always there. Yes. And uh, and I, I think one thing that we can encourage people is like, yeah, you're serving Jesus and you do want to be, you do want to be fulfilled in what you're doing. You do want to, you know, there is a sense where your identity is wrapped up in that in a, in a healthy way. We're gauging our, our, you know, our, our joy based on effectiveness or lack of effectiveness. That's when it becomes healthy. Um, so you, you, you just a time where you broke down with your staff.
staff? What what was going on there, and how did they respond to you? Because that was yeah. that was a beautiful moment. It seems, uh, and it's, it still feels raw, honestly. Mm. Yeah, I, I I think there was this there was this discontent with my life that was slowly building that was connected to things that were happening in our marriage, but wasn't limited to what was happening in our marriage. It was uh, also connected to feeling. Um, either the church plant wasn't working out like I wanted, or the church plant was becoming a thorn rather than kind of like this fun thing that we got to do together. And so all this, and or me just feeling like a failure, me feeling like, oh, the thing that I was trying wasn't going the, at the speed I wanted or wasn't reaching the place I wanted. or And so that was because of me, or there was some relationship that needed reconciliation or massage, all that stuff, right? That, that all pastors, all leaders, all people deal with, you know, was maybe heightened at those early fragile stages. So it's kind of boiling over. And I, it was, so it's in this, um, it's in this point where every church staff, you know, at the end of their meeting, you know, like, let's, what do we, how can we pray for each other? And I just kind of say, I don't like my life. I just started crying. Fortunately, there's only two people on staff. So it wasn't incredible. And I knew them sort of pretty well. So it wasn't incredibly awkward. It was a larger team. And with, uh, you know, it just, there'd be a lot of kind of like, uh, it'd be more awkward. But so I had that moment. Yeah. And I think those, those thoughts were all, happening they were they were there but that was the first time that were verbalized and it just so happened that they were verbalized as a grace among people that knew me and loved me shared this I coughed up this awkward emotional thing you know um vulnerable moment and um the the staff member who both of these folks are still on our team um the staff member that knew me the longest I remember he walked behind me and he put his arms on my shoulders and he just um man I, he just started saying God you like Brian's life and um just repeating that it didn't help the tears, Brian. The tears. The tears. Mm -hmm. So he, he said, he said to you, God, uh, you love Brian's life because yeah. you were you were saying, I'm not happy. I don't like my own life. Yeah, I don't like my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so it there was this sense of not only my friend's affirmation or my coworker slash friend's affirmation of me, but also he was being this ve uh, vehicle of the Lord's affirmation on my life, even as my life was far from perfect at yeah. that stage. Right. So and I think yeah. that's why. Wow. Yeah, not yeah. So that that was that moment. That was um I mean there's kind of like a lot of uh kind of lower points, but that kind of feels like um among the lowest, so to speak. But among the the most mm. powerful and beautiful as well. Um as sometimes that, that's how it works. Yeah. So you you went home and shared that with Candace. Candace, what was your reaction I, no. to that? What did what did you see going on? Or did you not go home and tell her? He didn't. Like I don't know where, at what point he actually did share the story. Oh, men. Men are like that, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. I think we're so both. So what, what eventually came out to you then? What? Uh, you know, I don't know if anything really did. I think we we're both just so like just dealing with our own hurts and our own loneliness in a way yeah. mm -hmm. that we had a hard time seeing and caring for each other and being there for each other like we really needed and wanted. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that um I probably had reached a quota of like um emotion um, <laughs> emotions yeah. that day. So I probably just yeah. tucked it away. And then, uh, and, you know, again, total candor, um, our, our marriage was in a state where like, um, lots of times, like if I brought something vulnerable up, you know, Candace would say, well, you know, like, you know, like it, it, it wasn't a place where we, I don't know, we, we were vulnerable with each other. We were, were able to connect, but it was also sometimes where like those conversations for one reason or another, they, they actually caused friction too. Like, like your day was hard. Mm -hmm. Well, my day was hard, you know, um, or you want me to be sympathetic because 
because of that, you know, like, well, you haven't given me sympathy. And so there's these kind of like these little breakdowns that were kind of that were somewhat regular. And so I don't know if that was the reason why I tucked that little vulnerable moment away. But for whatever reason, Mitch, you know, um, uh, yeah, it didn't come out till later. So yeah, well, I think I think it's interesting that Candace, you said you were you were going through your own experience that was probably, uh, you know, separate from him. And, and so the resolve would be different for each of you. So what was that moment that was moment for you? Uh, did you have an opportunity like that where you had someone to break mm-hmm. down with and, and share? I think I, I had friends that I left back in the town that we left that I would regularly reach out to and they would kind of know a little bit what was going on. But I think honestly, I didn't have anybody on the ground in here in Tacoma at the time that I could really talk to and really, um, it was only Brian and that wasn't getting really anywhere at that point. Mm, so yeah. that's where the, the loneliness really came in. Um, just not having, just not having anyone. And that was before I did end up starting to see a counselor at some point, um, um, and it could, it, a lot of it's mm. my personality type too, like not only the situation and circumstances, um, but I, I'm more introvert. I, you know, I, I try to guard what I share rightfully. So I think as a pastor's wife in some, in some regards, um, and just struggle with anxiety off and on throughout my life. And so there's just different character traits that I have that didn't really set me up for success in a time that was really hard. Mm. So was this a, a stress in your marriage or was it? threatening your marriage? That's a great question. <laughs> I I think that um, I mean, it, it probably reached at a couple points a, a threat to our marriage, I would say. There's that moment, I, and I think I mentioned it in the, in the piece um, where you said like, I'm not something like I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy in our marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. That, that you did say that I'm not happy in my marriage and yeah. uh, that, but that was a turning point too, wasn't it? It, it was, that, that was a turning point because you know that that eventually and we'll talk maybe about the metaphors of the what the lion and the, what the pit is but that yeah that was a catalytic moment but i i think there were moments where and there may have been a couple times where you shared things like that where i um yeah i i i started to get afraid i think of and and um i think it's kind of almost embarrassing that that fear is the right the first thing that came to mind but you know there was a kind of a, a franticness of like oh if this is wrong then what what do i how do i how do i fix this and then fix that and you know and it, i didn't just settle down mm. in and what's happening here and how do we how do we heal and um, how do we take a step forward together and it's i think part of it was because it was there were actually good moments as well right <laughs> right right so uh, there's a lot of a lot of threads but yeah yeah well let's let's, let's talk about the metaphor you you saw this yeah. as running from a lion uh, describe what uh, what what was going on that had you see it yeah well i think the the lion is like if you, maybe the lion could be um failure um so like i was doing anything to avoid failure um i was uh, mm. running faster so that, you know, uh, I wouldn't be caught by failure. Failure was, was anything from, um, big picture. The church plant was going to fail. You moved to Tacoma and look at, look at, you're having to move home back someplace else. You know, you're having to field all those phone calls with people saying, what happened? How come it didn't work out? Um, do we get our money back? Mm. You know, mm. <laughs> you know, um, or, or <laughs> no, could, no, you don't. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Um, or it could be, um, you know, just a, a simple conversation with the person that may or may not be interested in joining the the team, you know, like to join the church mm-hmm. plant um, and um, walking away like, oh gosh, I that didn't, that conversation didn't, didn't go like I had in mind. Cause you know, on the 
front end of a church plant, you know, you're a pastor of a church that doesn't exist yet, you know? And so you're, every conversation you have with someone, whether yeah, they're yeah. a follower of Jesus or not a follower of Jesus, you're you're asking the Lord to to woo and win their hearts so that they might be a part of this thing. And and so there's opportunities yeah. for leaders all around. And so, but then less even to do with the, the, the church plant specifically, but then just my own relational needs, you know, of like wanting to be liked, wanting to be, wanting to be uh, affirmed, wanting to be respected. And so, um, and, you know, and, and there's all these different shades like the, um, but so essentially somewhere within that spectrum of, uh, you know, is that's all, that's the, that's the line it's failure. And I was working so hard to avoid being caught by failure. Um, but in the midst of it, right. I'm, I'm blind to my family's needs. I'm, 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 I think one of the, one of the things that kind of ended up becoming the biggest resentment was like Candace says, I think we could, if we have these rhythms of date night, family night, Sabbath, Mm -hmm. and, you know, I would press against those things, not realizing that Candace is saying I'm out on a limb thinking, yeah, we can do it Mm. in conditions. And I'm like pressing against her kind of going out on a limb. So, so I was missing that in the midst of my running from this, this lion. So yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Do you, do you feel that um, I'm reflecting on this just in my own life and then also working with a lot of pastors and, and even through my ministry, being friends with, with a lot of them and seeing some things, but that there can be uh, an awareness of your, your living day to day that you might fail in ministry, but you're not thinking that much about possible failure at home. Totally. Uh, So how, how did you, how did that eventually shift? Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of where the pit comes in, you know, like there reaches a certain Mm. where like, um, you know, you can keep on running, you know, if like anybody that's ever uh, ran a 5k or a marathon knows, like there's a certain pace. If you keep running at a certain pace, you just will, your legs will seize up. You'll stop, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, the, for us, like the pit happened where, uh, where I, I was confronted with by, by Candace, there was that, that one time. And I remember going all, um, you know, um, uh, what do they call that when you, when you go, uh, when you like go like a baby, you know, what is that? What do they call it? When you go, uh, you go all like full on, I don't know. Uh, you know, like you curl so, up in a little ball. What's that thing? Yeah, fetal, fetal, fetal position. position. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought throw... you might be talking about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, Candace is like, I'm not happy with our marriage. And I remember this one time in that conversation, we shared those words. I went into our, my clo- our closet and I went full fetal position and just saw. Wow, wow, what a and scary I, moment. Mm. Totally scary. And because mm. um, my, um, you know, that's a part of my growing up story is that there's divorce in um, in my you know, family of origin. And I, and I remember some of those experiences as a child. And so I, I thought about my kids experiencing that. Like I went to the nth degree. I thought about yeah. our marriage and the love that, that I had, you know, and, and all of that. Then I, then I thought all those other ripples and there was, and I, all of a sudden I was in this pit. It's like, I can't run from the line anymore. And which I'm, which feels like if I'm, if I'm not going to run anymore, it feels like the line's going to jump in and get me. Right. I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. Um, and, um, which is actually becomes the gift of this experience. Because when you find yourself in this pit, you realize the lion never had teeth, right? The lion actually, yeah. this fear of failure that you have like bl- 
blown out to this major thing that you're doing everything in your life to avoid. You know, um, you know, I didn't get to the point where I was lying or or anything like that. But a lot of people do. Like they get to the point where they'll they're just lying, they're mm-hmm. hiding, searching the truth. They're you know because they're afraid. And then you reach the point where you, whether mm-hmm. it's a person that's dealing with addiction or a person that's a compulsive liar, um, or in my case that I just was, I wanted to succeed and I didn't want to let people down and I wanted to, people to like me. You get to the point where you just can't go anymore and you realize that thing that you've been running mm-hmm. from, it, it never had any power. It never had any ultimate power. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like we say the things we're anxious for generally don't come true, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. Matthew 6, Jesus tells us, you know, not be anxious. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, he provides as he provides the flowers and the birds he provides for us. And yeah, I mean, you call it a terrible gift, which I, I love that. And it's, it's almost like you don't learn this unless you go through it, right? Yeah, yeah. Every um, yeah, Candace, you you, uh, you might I think it was you that referred to this, or maybe you did, Brian, that it was for you know the metaphor of hanging off a tree or you know falling off a branch. Was that what it felt like for you? I mean, what metaphor would you use to describe best what this was like for you? Yeah, I think for me, it felt like I I was trying. I kept trying to get back up, but getting knocked back down. Um, mm. It felt each time getting back up felt harder and harder. Um, I think during like the worst the worst of it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't have a great metaphor. Well, I think you like you were actually just being incredibly consistent, you know, and just saying, these are my needs. Mm. These are my needs. <laughs> these are my needs. I was being yeah, yeah. and and uh, anxious. And so. Yeah. Yeah. And these the, are my, my needs and I need you. I, I think that's that that as husbands, yeah. we need to hear from our wives that you're, yeah. you're important to us. You're our leader. I need you. I'm vulnerable right now. Yeah. Um, so is, was there a moment where everything changed or was it more just a, re, you know, a gradual re- rebuilding. Candace, how would you how would you describe that? Yeah, I, I don't think there was a certain moment that it was just over time. And I think finally when we we ended up getting a tenant in our basement. And at that point we we talked her into um getting some m- money off rent if she would babysit every week for us. And at that so we had a mm. regular date night um because we had it built in. Not, we had a sitter who would come up mm-hmm. every every Thursday and watch our kids. And I think that coupled with having t- over time and just being together again and having that consistency back helped. Yeah. And and then both of us, I think I got went to counseling. You did went to counseling. Yeah. All the little things helped. Um, yeah. There was nothing magical. Mm, you know, wonderful moments. But I, I think yeah, and I think I would add too. I mean, I think it's just saying exactly what you're saying. Like all the little moments. The moment with my friend Pete, who was the staff member that that came behind me, put his arms on my shoulders and prayed for me. That's a moment that, like I said, it's it. it it's, it was incredibly vulnerable. It was incredibly beautiful. The moment of of you sharing those words, you know, and, and you may have shared it multiple times, like I said, but the, the one time I remember, I'm not happy in our marriage, you know, there, those these these are these shifts, these some dramatic, some slight, and, you know, having the babysitter was significant as well. But I think um, the church also becoming more stable, you know, and so, mm. um, you know, so there's a little bit more stability that gives me, I'm able, I catch my breath a little bit more regularly. And the Lord, you know, is so patient, right? He's just, he knows, uh, he's there with us, like in the midst of, <laughs> in the middle of these, these challenges, you know, and just saying, here I am, here I am, here yeah. I am. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. but I, I think those, those things, you know, were kind of little dots on that journey of, of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a huge difference between someone in your church say, I'm not happy with our church and your wife saying, I'm not happy with my marriage. <laughs> you know, if you're a man, which of those two really stings, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that was 
there's no doubt a, a wake-up call for you. Uh, um, what do you say to couples that perhaps listening to this, they're they're at that place where there's you know stress in the marriage and it's getting a little scary? What what advice would you give them? I think it's always good to have people that are in your church to reach out to um, mm-hmm. as a couple and as individuals, someone who you can bounce things off of. It's not going to affect the church in any way. You don't want mm-hmm. the right person. Yeah. The right person. Yeah, outside outside the yeah, context. Yeah, I think that's really mm-hmm. really, and I think I think just going. I wish we would have done this more, but just saying our expectations, you yeah. know, maybe daily, weekly, like yeah, what, are, what are we, what are we expecting of each other? And is that realistic? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Just lay it out on the table. I think that would have been really helpful because it, it, it changes and it shifts yeah. so much in the beginning of church planting. Um, yeah. With our different roles. Candice, did you find, did you find a change in Brian when you guys would go out that there was less talk about the church, more talk about life, relationships, children? Um, You know, I think on dates for the most part, it was we, we would only talk about church, I think, if it was mutual. Um, I don't think I would, mm-hmm. in the early early times when things were hard, it would, if it was about the church, it was a negative what we were feeling about it, but we were both wanting to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. But you're trading raw emotions with each other, and sometimes right. it's not helpful, is right. it? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, you know, there was the tool that was really helpful for us, um, the um, Thanos. I don't know if you've heard of this, Mitch. Thanos, not the character, not the bad guy in Marvel. No, but- I- so it's like a, it's basically uh, supposed to be a can be a twenty minute thirty minute conversation for between a spouse feelings f um uh oh, no. well a, a is um, affirm so affirm the other person n is need o is own and s is spiritual mm. spiritual life. Mm. When we started doing this, and one person goes, and the other person can't interrupt you, you know. So if I was doing this to Candace, I would say, "Yeah, this is what I'm feeling. Um, this is how I want to affirm you. This is what how I affirm you. This is what I need right now. This is what I own as something I've mm. a ball I've dropped or what have you. And this is kind of where my spiritual life's at. Like we we honestly had when the this counselor recommended we start doing this daily. Um, sometimes there were like 20 minute conversations, but we honestly mm. like you think about it, the best conversations you have, you deal with that kind of stuff. So it's kind of like jumping through the the formalities and the warm up stage of a conversation and jumping to what those real core emotional needs are and what you want out of that that conversation. Mm-hmm. And so it's almost like we had an hour long conversation in twenty minutes. And our the kind of the intimacy or the comfort or the the uh, the desire for each other to be with each other just increased because all of a sudden all the all the crap was pushed aside and it was just kind of like here I am. This is who this is this is who I am. This is what I'm feeling. And we got to see the see the other person and. And so that was, that was, um, yeah, you know, a, a valuable tool. So we, I think I've, I've shared that with many married couples that are church planners, that are pastors, and then just folks that are in our community, um, because it was so valuable. Yeah, I love that. That's a great, that, yeah, that's a great tool. Yeah. Keep doing that. That's, that's wonderful. And I, I sense the Lord's going to keep using you both to, uh, you know, this is not just ministry couples. This is just marriage in general, you know, people working in jobs with high expectations and pressures and feeling like they're being chased. This it's not just a ministry reality. It's uh, it's it's life. Yeah. Um, well, this has been great. Any any final thoughts here? And then I'm going to ask my standard lighthearted question that you said you didn't know what you would ask. Yeah. yeah. No. I. Um, nothing. Nothing comes to mind <laughs> uh, off the top. Of my okay. Head. Well, so I, I always like to ask if if roles are reversed uh, and you were interviewing me on this subject or any other subject, what would you ask? And no one has stumped me yet. No one. <laughs> 
Anything on your mind, Janice? Anything come to mind? What are your expectations as a church planter? Well, he's not a church planter. When when I was, <laughs> when when I was. Oh, were you were you a church planter? Yeah. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. oh yeah, yeah. I've done yeah. I've, I've done for church plants. I staff churches. Been on staff. I think honestly, as you get older, um, it's part of our sanctification. It's part of our growth that things start getting into perspective and they line up. I mean, it's almost essential that we go through yeah. this early on. I mean, we we were missionaries in England. I pastored the church in England. England at 32, wow. and um, and I and I went there with the help of a mentor. It's actually our director. Um, he said, "In science, I don't want you to do anything. Just get to know the culture and get to know people, build relationships, let your kids get in school." And 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 when when one of the guys, the elders in the church, um, called my field director and said, "We're really worried because Mitch is not doing anything," uh, I said, "Okay, finally, I'm ready now to start engaging." And uh, and that so when it, when and I think the pressure often comes from others, and I think we have to be careful in leadership that we're we're having a good view of the you know holistically of, of not just the performance and the task of ministry, but also the health of the family. And um, so, but I'm at a stage in life now where where my expectation is to get up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, read my Bible, do what I need to do that day, not worry about tomorrow. I'm still learning that, but it's uh it, it's it definitely is lessened you know from uh from when I was a lot younger, and I think failing can be helpful too when you actually fail yeah. mm-hmm. and what is expected happened to me a couple times um but i you know that the idea of being chased by a lion you know some of the the personal losses we've had in our family uh you know it's and then i would having i was having difficult times in ministry it's like you know hey you can't do worse than yeah. you know going through family tragedy and, and it's like bring it on you know i mean what what more are you going to do um but i you know just also to encourage you you know this is referred to so much in scripture as and you know he's if if you think of aslan in the narnia books i mean he's a uh he, he's a comfort and a sweet presence to those who love him but man he could be a monster if uh <laughs> if there were rebels you know so i think that's a, a good way to wrap up here to see you know that, that christ is our our lion and our our comfort and he's tender yeah. and awesome at the same time yeah mm-hmm. that's right um well you guys uh, you guys did a great job thank you I, I really enjoyed getting to know you and i really appreciate your you putting your story out and and uh, sharing this testimony of what the lord did so thank you well there you have it thank you so much for listening to this episode of the before you quit podcast if you have any comments or questions about this podcast or Anything else we've talked about on Before You Quit, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all of that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged.